Welcome to today's podcast, sponsored by Hillsdale College, all things Hillsdale at hillsdale.edu. I encourage you to take advantage of the many free online courses there. And of course, to listen to the Hillsdale Dialogues, all of them at Q for hillsdale.com, or just Google Apple, iTunes, and Hillsdale. Good morning, Glory America. Bonjour, hi, Canada. You do it live inside the Beltway. Um, this will be the last day I talk to you until Monday. I've got to go to New York City. And I will be gone for three days. Morgan Ortegas will be in for me tomorrow. Uh, Generally, she will take over on Thursday and Friday. I do want to talk to you this morning about uh, it's an unbelievable thing for me to hear Corrine Jean-Pierre yesterday. I mean, it's actually unbelievable. But a lot of people have heard it. But on the chance that you haven't, let's play cut 27 from the White House. President Biden's spokesperson, Corrine Jean-Pierre level of concern right now about the potential rise of anti-Semitism in light of everything that's going on in Israel? So a couple of things. Um, Look, um, uh, we have not seen uh, any credible uh, threats. I know there's been always questions about uh, credible threats. uh, And so I just want to make sure that that's out there. But look, uh, Muslim and those perceived uh, to be Muslim have endured a disproportionate uh, number of hate-fueled attacks. And certainly President Biden understands that many of our Muslim Arab Arab Americans and Palestinian American loved ones and neighbors are worried about the hate being directed at their communities. And that is something you heard the president speak to in his. uh, All right. The question was about the rise in anti-Semitism in the United States. And it's everywhere. I mean, anywhere you look, it's everywhere. Last night, a video was posted of a uh, television person who went home to their apartment. There was a pro-intifada uh, demonstration in front of the apartment. Uh, it's not hard to find the evidence. I told you about Manhattan Beach Public Schools. I've told you about, and yes, we know about the attack on the Palestinian boy that killed him and has severely wounded his mother uh, you know, two weeks ago and denounced it. But the, the question was about anti-Semitic attacks, and the answer was about Islamophobia. And I think that fairly reflects exactly where most of the Biden administration is. They're not with Israel. They're not with Israel. It's all the Obama people. Yesterday, Ben Rhodes popped up his head and Lucas Tomlinson, I think it was Lucas, found it. And he wrote this. Israel has legitimate security concerns and has the right to go after the military wing of Hamas, a faction that has proven to be the worst version of itself. What in the world does that mean? Does that mean there's a good Hamas? Ben Rhodes is not in the administration, but everyone he worked with is. And Obamaism completely infiltrates and controls the Biden administration. And the lead story, last night there were 400 airstrikes in Gaza by the IDF. They're getting ready to go in. But the lead story in the New York Times and is U.S. raises concern about Israel's plan of action in Gaza. The United States says, look, you know, maybe you want to do Mosul or maybe you want you don't want to do Fallujah 2004. You know what? We did Fallujah in 2004, and we did Mosul in 2017, and we could afford it, and we didn't have to mobilize the entire country to do it, and it was standoff warfare. Israel can't have that luxury. They've got an army of fanatical killers, many of whom are high on Captagon to their south. They've got an army of jihadists to their north, and they've got Iran paying for both. They do not have the luxury of the United States directing prolonged ground assaults in Mosul or air assaults in Mosul and the bloody ground assault in Fallujah 2004. These armchair Mideast specialists in the Biden administration are pulling back Israel. I'm going to talk with Mike Lauren about this at the bottom of the hour. Don't go anywhere. 
There's a lot of news. The House Republicans haven't got a speaker yet. There's hope today. Maybe they will. We don't know. And Morgan will update you on that tomorrow. But I'm mostly concerned that that we're we're quite obviously pulling back Israel, the bear hug. And I don't know if any of you ever read the Chronicles of Narnia. I really don't. And, and it's uh, they're children's books that aren't children's books. But they're fabulous, and I'm remembering vaguely the Prince Caspian, I think it's the fourth book in the series, where the children who have been drawn in through the wardrobe in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe go back, and, you know, thousands of years have passed in Narnia, and they cannot figure out what is going on, and they they cannot see what is happening in front of them, and they don't want to believe what's going on in their beloved Narnia, and they just simply refuse to see. One of them sees Lucy and then Edmund and then finally Peter. But Susan never sees. I, I, I think I remember this correctly. Never see, never admits seeing, although she always did. That's where we are right now. A lot of people in America don't want to admit where Israel is. Surrounded by fanatics with massacre of 1,400 and 228 or 248 of their people held hostage. So Hamas releases two, and America say, well, let's slow down. I don't think so. There's one world in which the Israelis live, and we'll talk with Michael Oren about that. And then there's another world where the Wendy Shermans and the uh, the, the, the Ben Rhodes and the, the other defeatist and round-heeled Beltway foreign policy blob lives. And that's not where Israel can afford to live. President Trump last night, former President Trump last night in New Hampshire, uh, spelled out what is the the problem here by bringing up Iran. Now, he made a question about Iran and Biden. I want you to hear it. Cut number six. We have to bring our country back. It's not it's not an easy thing to do. Would you believe what what's happened to the USA in the last three years? But I will immediately reinstate all sanctions on the murderous Iranian regime. You have to do that. So we have a deal. That is, that, stop right there. that is the key. All right, we've got to crush Iran. Iran is really at war with Israel from the north and the south. And the biggest threat immediately for Israel is up for Israel to determine. I don't know what they're going to do, and I don't know how they're going to do it. And America should not be holding them back. The former president also talked about Iranian energy exports, which have funded all of this nightmare. Cut number 11. I will shut down Iranian energy and I'll unlock American energy like never before. And we will once again make the Iranian dictatorship very poor. And we're going to make the American people very rich. Look, Iran was broke when I left. He's right. Iran was broke and Biden made it solvent again. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. 
Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. President Trump also talked about restoring peace through strength. Cut number 12. To every American who's terrified that Crooked Joe's weakness will cause catastrophic global conflict. (laughs) Excuse me, it already is. I make this promise to you as president. I will restore peace through strength and we will prevent, we will stop World War III. We will not have World War III. More former President Trump from New Hampshire last night, cut 15. Crooked Joe is not feared, he's not respected, and he's regarded by our enemies as a joke. They don't even believe it. When I'm president, America will be respected again like never before, just like never before. And then we've got President Trump. One more cut, cut 16. Joe Biden's speech was a grotesque betrayal of Israel and a confused mess of neocon warmongering. An American last lunacy. American last. They want America last, ladies and gentlemen. Pushing conflict abroad and distracting from his many disasters at home. Now, Lindsey Graham is in Israel right now, and he gave a press conference yesterday. Cut number 23. This is the key thing to understand. If this war grows, it's coming to your backyard. There won't be two fronts. There'll be three. If there's an effort to unleash Hezbollah on the Jewish state to destroy it, my attention will be to Tehran. If these innocent hostages get slaughtered, I hold you, Iran, accountable because you could stop it if you chose to. The idea that this happened without Iranian involvement is laughable. Good for you, Senator Graham. It is. Iran is the problem. Their proxies, Hezbollah in the north and Hamas, which is getting pounded in the south and did the massacre. It's all Iran. Nikki Haley said as much yesterday on Fox News Cut 17. The Biden administration is so wrong on this. They weakened sanctions on Iran, which all that did was allow money to flow to Hamas and Hezbollah. You know, whether it was the hostage money, now we've got American hostages. And don't think for a second they're not going to want to have billions of dollars for those hostages as well. And now you're going to have sanctions expire at the U.N. And I can tell you, I constantly was telling them the U.N. never... the. Iran never followed U.N. resolutions, ever. They were always in violation of every U.N. resolution. And that's why the U.S. needs to lead and point out all of these violations. And if the U.N. will not go and put these sanctions in place, it is up to the U.S. to go and put these really strong sanctions in place for Iran. We have to decimate their economy and make sure that they know. We've had a problem since the Obama administration. The Obama administration were Iranian sympathizers from the start. That's why they got into this Iran nuclear deal. Now we see in the Biden administration, it's Obama 2.0. They continue to be Iranian sympathizers. We can't do that. We have to see Iran for the dangerous um, country that they are. Good for Ambassador Haley. It is all about Iran, as former President Trump, as Ambassador Haley said, as everybody with a brain. No, but don't count Wendy Sherman and Ben Rhodes in that group. They are appeasers of Iran. The Obama era was appeasement of Iran. The Biden era is appeasement of Iran. And Israel cannot afford appeasement. Like Susan and Prince Caspian. They know, but they don't want to say that they know that Iran is behind this and the attacks against the United States. I'll give you news item update from John Ellis when I come back. The Substat report of the report from Reuters. Stay tuned, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt, joined now by Dr. Michael Oren, former Israeli ambassador to the United States from his bomb shelter in Tel Aviv. Good morning, Dr. Oren. Welcome back. Good to see you again. Hi, Hugh. Always good to see you. 
I want to begin with a uh, Ben Rhodes quote from yesterday. You may have seen it. Ben Rhodes writing yesterday, Israel has legitimate security concerns and has a right to go after the military wing of Hamas, a faction that has proven to be the worst version of itself. What do you think of that, Dr. Oren? <laughs> What's the, the worst version of You know, what can I say? The Nazis were the worst version of themselves. Uh, I don't know what to make of that. It's like nonsense. Um, and as if there's a military, as if there's, there's a there's a military wing and a civil civilian wing of, uh, of Hamas. Was there a civilian wing of the Nazi Party and a military wing of the Nazi Party? Let me get this straight. Let's not even go there. Can I tell you about my morning? Yes, just, please. You know, tell, me what, tell me what a morning is like here. Okay, it's one thirty in the afternoon here. This morning I've had uh, three calls uh, from families, uh, either of people who have been captured or have been killed. Um, the Superintendent in my building called me to say that his best friend's son um, was taken out of a car by Hamas. They captured him and then they took him out and executed him. And they have photographs of it because these guys took photographs of everything. Then um, a woman called me who you may have seen the pictures of this young woman who was repeatedly raped and dragged to the streets of Gaza um, and spit on and beaten. Okay, yes. all bloody, naked. Yeah, that 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 one that young woman is the daughter of my daughter-in-law's doctor. And I spoke to the doctor. Oh my gosh! I went. To, I spoke to the family members of a, a young woman, eighteen-year-old woman, uh, who was shot her, to death. Her father was uh, captured. The terrorists filmed it all and put it up on the family Facebook so they could all see it. Okay, you with me? Yeah. <laughs> As they say in New Jersey. Um, I just spoke to a former student of mine, uh, a Yale student who's now writing for the press here, and she was invited to see the 45-minute video that uh, the government is showing to select journalists, that footage taken from the uh, head cams of the terrorists. And I don't know if she'll ever be the same. I don't yeah, Michael, I, 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 I don't. I think we're in a 1936 to sort of 1938 unreality in the United States. They don't want to deal with it. I don't know if you ever read Eric Larson's book in the Garden of the Beasts, but the Americans would go over to Berlin and they would clink glasses with Gehring and Garibles and they never saw what was right in front of them. And there's a lot of Americans who do not see what's going on in this country, much less in Israel with the rise of anti-Semitic marches and acts and violence. Uh, aren't you, um, I, I don't even know how you. It's deeper than that. The, the, the acts and the violence are a deeper thing. It, it's, like the, it's like this tip of the iceberg, because why? What's deep here? The deep is when, when that hospital got bombed, okay, a triple lie went out. One, that Israel did it. Two, that it was a hospital. It wasn't. Uh, it was a parking lot. And three of the 500 uh, Palestinians were killed, and it's not true. Okay? Maybe we're saying maybe 100 at the most. Okay, not that that not that's you know, <laughs> it's no great relief that 100 rather than 500. But the lie, and it was a triple lie, and everybody but everybody bought into it immediately. And what was the source? Hamas, <laughs> Hamas, and Israel adduced all this evidence, hardcore evidence. The Pentagon adduced all this evidence, and Israel was still guilty. I mean, what is that if not medieval anti-Semitism? What is that? If it, not well, it is medieval anti-Semitism, and it's also an unwillingness, an unwillingness to look at exactly what is in front of you. Lindsey Graham was in Israel yesterday, and he said, this is Iran. Yeah. Former President Trump was in New Hampshire last night and said, this is Iran. 
I say this is all Iran. It's all Iran. Do you think the world gets it yet? It's all Iran. No, because you have to have total moral clarity by it. I, I listened to John Kirby's uh, press conference yesterday. See, he said Iran, 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 but it's got to it's got to come out in a more clarion way. And um, you know, we have been saying it's Iran, Iran, Iran for many years. And I, even as American bases are being bombed in the Middle East, right, being being said to rocket and drone attacks. No one is entirely coming out and saying this is Iran and Iran is going to pay a price for this. No, they're saying it's Iran, but not Iran's going to pay a price. And I, I'm, I don't want to drag America into a war. I want people to say Israel's dragging America into the war. But believe me, once the, if, if, if we don't stop them, they're going to be coming for you. We are the front lines here. Well, I, I've got the Times of Israel this morning. Please. I've got the New York Times this morning. Apparently, quote, U.S. officials are telling Israel to beware. You don't want Fallujah 2004. You want to do Mosul 2017. From the comfort and safety of their D.C. think tanks and their Biden administration offices, it makes me crazy. They have no idea what Israel is dealing with. You can't afford to just sit back and bomb you're mobilized, right? People don't understand what that means in Israel. What's it mean, Dr. Warren? It's deeper. So I just finished an article for the, for the Israeli press. It's going to be the front page of the largest paper tomorrow about the Mosul-Fallujah uh, uh, comparison. Okay, It's all over the press this morning. And just for the, your, your readers or listeners who don't know what this is about, uh, the battle for Fallujah in 2004 was a major battle. You know, the, the, the armed forces, U.S. armed forces went in there. They crushed the city. They killed a lot of civilians. They killed a lot of terrorists. They lost a lot of men, but they got the city. They won. Mosul 2017 was against ISIS, and America had a different uh, position. They sent in special forces, sort of surgical strikes, took out the ISIS leaders. Uh, it took a lot longer, but were fewer casualties uh, on the American side and fewer, fewer uh, civilian casualties. So they're basically suggesting to us that we, we adopt the Mosul model and not the Fallujah model. And they don't understand. Not just the fact that, as you say, Hugh, that they're sitting back in, you know, in Potomac and, and uh, sipping tea. It's not just that. They don't understand that when we call up 360,000 uh, reservists and we don't use that force, okay, we will completely, completely undermine the morale of our army. We've taken out a huge pistol. If we don't pull the trigger, it will make us look weaker than if we did not have a pistol at all. A. Two, we cannot restore our deterrent power around the region. Cannot. No one will take us seriously. Three, <laughs> not done yet. Right? We will not be able to secure our own borders. No, people won't live here. Knowing that Hamas in some way gets away with it, you know, even partially. And lastly, and this is a very Israeli thing, unless we actually go in and destroy Hamas with our army, uh, we can't begin the process of, of healing. We've got a lot of healing to do here in a sort of breakdown between the, the, the covenant. And I, I want to ask you, for, for our American audience who knows a little bit about Israel, it's a what would question, Michael Oren. What would David Ben-Gurion, what would Moshe Dayan, what would Golda Meir, what would Eric Sharon do right now in this situation? And you're, you're a historian. People should know. You're, you've, you've like won every book award there is in the world. You know this better than anyone. What yeah. would those four great Israeli do, leaders do right now? Well, in the same article, I compared uh, our current government to the government in 1967. And it's interesting. In 1967, uh, the government waited for three weeks before uh, launching a preemptive strike against, uh, against the Egyptian Air Force, remember. 
And here we are entering the third week of waiting. Uh, so the, the comparison really just screams out. And in the end, keep in mind, Israel was not shot at in 1967. Israel fired the first shot, Hugh. And the debates, which I was able to, you know, I was able to research for my book on the Six-Day War, the debates were very clear. If we don't fire first, we will lose our deterrent power. All right. Everybody will understand that you can close the Straits of Tehran. You can blockade us. You can threaten us. And we're just going to sit here and take it. And that means we're dead. And it was very clear. I actually quote a line like that that was spoken to the prime minister by the general staff. And it's the same things today. If we, a ceasefire, there's lots of talks of a ceasefire. Ceasefire, understand this, is the death of the state of Israel. You have to say that means Hamas gets away with murdering 1,500 of our citizens. It means we go back to the status quo ante. It means Hezbollah internalizes that you can get away with this. It means Iran internalizes you can get away with this. It means the world knows that the world won't, the world knows that, that nobody will stand with us and that we're willing, not willing to defend ourselves. A ceasefire is that. So it's a So it's let me a ask you, what do you think Joe Biden is doing? What is Team Biden doing? Now, Ben Rhodes is not in the administration when he says it's legitimate to go after the military wing of Hamas, which is like saying it's legitimate to go after the SS, but not the Panzers and the, and the Wehrmacht. I mean, it's just nuts. Right. It's crazy. Uh, don't carpet bomb Germany because, you know, they're not, those are innocent civilians there in Germany. It's just crazy what Ben Rhodes think. But Corrine Jean-Pierre, you have to Pearl Harbor, you know, Pearl Harbor happens, but let's make a ceasefire because the Japanese have a lot of prisoners. Yes. So what is driving this? I really, what do you think is driving this narrative in the United States that Israel has to restrain itself and Israel has to abide by the laws of war, which it has always and everywhere respected? Well, you could probably go deeper. Listen, Hamas has created a real problem for the progressive left, okay? Because, you know, you're not supposed to have heroes that that behead babies and rape women and burn people alive. It's hard to make these people into heroes. Uh, so it's a real challenge. And they were, the people were really eager when the, you know, the reports came out about the Israeli bomb, the hospital, saying to themselves, well, hey, we can get out from under this moral problem of having, be, having been championed by these, by these beasts, by these, by these monsters. Um, and so, you know, they're always going to find a way to say, well, Israel basically had it coming to today. Okay. But behind that, deeply behind that is anti-Semitism. Why? it's an old anti-Semitic trope that the Jews have it coming to us. It's original sin. Um, you know, in, in, in the medieval ages, if you, an innocent Jew was an oxymoron. All Jews were a priori uh, guilty. And it's true here, too. And even those people along the Gaza border, most of whom were belonged to kibbutzim, who were very left-wing and very committed to peace, uh, they're guilty, too. Um, and so if the Jews are guilty, then Hamas is not that guilty now, is it? Uh, that Hamas had some kind of justification. It's very deep and very disturbing and extremely dark. And, and Dr. Arndt, let's close with this. There are at least a dozen countries with their citizens being held captive by Hamas. They're being held captive because they're Jewish. The, and I do yes. not see the outrage in the world about this or the clarity. Is there anyone in the West who's standing tall and saying out loud, it's Iran and it's about destroying Israel? Because that's what it is. Well, I think that the, the British have been good. The Italians have been good. The Maloney government has been good. You know, the president made some extraordinary statements, extraordinary statements. Uh, the Secretary of State made some extraordinary statements. They've moved major military assets into this region, huge military assets in this region. The question is, you know, 
they've pulled out again. I want to use this image of pulling out a big gun. They pulled out a big gun. If you don't pull the trigger, if you're not willing to pull the trigger, if people don't believe you're willing to pull the trigger, then it actually has a reverse. It has a worse effect of having not pulled out the gun at all, right? And uh, so that's just question. Dr. Orrin, well put. I listened to you and Dan Senor on Call Me Back, and I hope you talk with my guest host coming up this week. I'll talk to you again on Monday or Tuesday of next week. I'm joined now by Dan Senor, whose previous book, of course, Startup Nation, was fabulous. His new book coming out soon, The Genius of Israel, I'll be reading on the train to New York City today. And his podcast, Call Me Back, has become indispensable to me. Every day I listen to it. Dan, welcome back to The Hugh Hewitt Show. Hey, Hugh. Thanks for having me. Uh, Dan, I want to begin with three things and have you respond to them as you wish. Number one, Karine Jean-Pierre yesterday took a question about anti-Semitism on the rise in the United States, turned it into an answer about Islamophobia. Eli Klein last night came home to his apartment in New York City and found a mob. I read from his Twitter feed, just came home to hundreds of people outside my apartment here in New York City calling for intifada, which given recent events may well be considered a call for the mass murder of Jews. Never did I expect to see this kind of open anti-Semitism so close to home. And then third, Ben former Obama senior advisor and kind of the voice of Obama in exile, wrote in the New York Times, uh, New York Review of Books, quote, Israel has legitimate security concerns and has a right to go after the military wing of Hamas, a faction that has proven to be the worst version of itself, close quote. I hope I'll hear you talk about that at length on Call Me Back. But what do you make of those three data points, Dan Senor? The, the, the big overarching issue here, Hugh, and I, I find this <clears throat> so unsettling, um, so unnerving uh, on so many levels. I'm the uh, son of a Holocaust survivor. Uh, my my mother's father was killed in Auschwitz. What we watched on October 7th be unleashed on Israel are echoes of the 1930s in terms of just wild, violent pogroms, just barbarism unleashed. The difference, Hugh, between the 1930s and the 1940s and today is the anti-Semites then, at least for their sake, tried to mask, tried to hide their um, their atrocities. There was this whole movement years later, that quote-unquote academic movement called Holocaust denialism, which was an effort to, to play down what happened, to confuse some of the facts, to say, you know, don't believe your lying eyes. This didn't happen. What I just described to you, Hugh, is different than what we are experiencing today. We are experiencing the barbarism, right? The beheadings, the live body burnings, the burnings of babies, the systematic rape, the torture, the hostage taking. So that we are seeing. But instead of trying to deny it or confuse it, they're not engaged in masking and they're not engaged in Holocaust denialism. What they are doing is trying to legitimize it. It is, it is the legitimization of the atrocities. It's not denying the atrocities. It's the legitimization of them. It is to say, well, yes, this violence happened, but please understand the root causes. Please understand what they are, what they are protesting against. Uh, please understand what is, what, why life is so difficult for the people who carried out these atrocities. Or in Ben Rhodes's case, please understand it is, you know, some bad actors who are doing that, but they don't represent the entire entity of the political leadership of Hamas. So it is this effort at uh, legitimization that is almost, I gotta say, like I said, more jostling than than denialism. Well, uh, Dan, I am am in the same position of being shocked. 
I have asked Dr. Oren this morning, and your conversation with him on Call Me Back was fabulous. I had him on this morning. If he had read In the Garden of the Beast, and he hadn't, by Eric Larson, it's about the American diplomatic corps in Berlin in the 30s. And they just didn't want to see what was right in front of them, Dan. And I don't yeah. know that Team Obama wants to see what's right in front of them. Ben Rhodes and and the marchers in New York City and Karine Jean-Pierre, they don't want to see what's right in front of them. Yeah, first of all, I'm glad you mentioned that Eric Larson book. It is one of my favorite books. Uh, it's it's really superb. I, I highly recommend it to anyone and everyone. Um, look, I, I mean, I, it's it's so bizarre and perplexing and maddening that it's that it's hard to understand the logic behind what is going on here. But I, I'll just put it in these perhaps somewhat stark terms. All right. Any civilized nation, any civilized nation that on its border has an entity who in its charter is sworn to the destruction of your existence is one thing. But if that entity, when I say on your border, I mean on your border, right? Like a stone's throw away from communities, kibbutzim, neighborhoods, towns, right on the border, peaceful civilians living in these towns, stone's throw away from these monsters. If you have that kind of entity on your border with a charter committed to your eradication, and they have developed the means to try to eradicate you. And then they've actually, it's not just a threat, they've actually tried to execute upon it in the most barbaric ways. There's no civilized nation on the planet that would say, we're gonna learn to live with that. We're gonna have a conversation with them. We wanna understand what their concerns are. We're gonna negotiate for a ceasefire. We're gonna, any civilized nation, would do what the U.S. did to ISIS over the course of three administrations, would do what the Allies did to the Nazis over, over the course of, you know, a few years in the late 30s and 1940s. I mean, any, any civilized society would just do what they had to do. And Israel, for some reason, yet again, is being held to a different standard. It's, it's the yes, but standard. Yes, well, it's that, Dr. Oren October 7th, but... Yeah. Dr. Oren said the deep issue here is anti-Semitism. The deep issue is that does Israel really need to exist? And the deep villain here is Iran, Dan. Now, I would like to ask you on Call Me Back, are you going to confront what the United States and the world has to do about Iran? They're part of the triangle of tyrants with Beijing and, and Putin, but they are particularly maligned because they're Islamist fanatics and they, they have a theology it doesn't really mind the end of the world. Unlike Xi and Putin, I, I, they worry me. I'm, and, and we are letting them get very close to nuclear weapons. Can you imagine if Hamas had access to nuclear, uh, even dirty bomb weaponry? What would have happened yeah. th 17 days ago? Yeah. So, um, look, I don't I, I think there's no doubt that Iran was somehow involved with this, whether they were actually coordinating minute to minute. We can debate. But there's no way Hamas would have the weapons and the funding and the self-confidence and the brazenness that it has or had without Tehran's you know, support, backing, orchestration. The same is true for Hezbollah in the north. The same is true for Palestinian Islamic Jihad also in, in Gaza Strip. So Iran is behind all of this one way or the other. And what worries me, and I am going to do an episode of this on my podcast on Call Me Back, is... You know, Iran is the supreme leader of Iran is watching what's playing out right now. Israel getting itself mired in this fight in the south. The 
potentially another front in the north. Be a pretty good time while the world is distracted with all of that for Iran to make its race to have a nuclear weapons capability, which we know they're close on. And they just need the Western world to kind of be distracted for a little while and Israel to be distracted and potentially bogged down. So I, I actually think the, the, the timing is ideal for Iran. And yeah, I will, I will be focusing on it. It scares the hell out of me. Dan, let's talk about Call Me Back for a moment, because I have found it indispensable. For example, the episode this weekend on the laws of armed conflict. Fabulous. Yeah. I've been teaching uh, uh, glancingly in con law for years what is and is not the law of armed conflict. But proportionality is very poorly understood by the American journalistic corps. Uh, and now yeah. they have no excuse. What is the purpose of Call Me Back in these days? Look, Hugh, I uh, started uh, my podcast during covid uh, and um, it was dealing with a whole range of issues related from geopolitics to economics to U.S. politics. Uh, but I've always been involved in Israel. Uh, I have a lot of family in Israel. I've written extensively about Israel. I wrote one book about Israel, Startup Nation. As you mentioned, we have another book called The Genius of Israel that's coming out in the next couple of weeks. It can be pre-ordered now um, that deals in many respects with Israeli society rallying, the resilience of Israeli society that we're seeing now. And I have, you know, I have deep ties. I've, I've invested in Israeli startups. I have plenty of family and friends. I have two nephews that have been called up to the reserves right now in this in this upcoming fight that Israel's going to be in. Uh, I have a niece. My sister just sent me a photo this morning of a, one of our nieces that has, she just sent me a photo of her back in uniform. She's been called up. I have cousins who've been called up. I have you know, I, I can go on and on. I, I uh, the co-author of Startup Nation and the co-author of The Genius of Israel, Saul Singer, uh, who's my brother-in-law. His brother was killed uh, on Israel's northern border as a as a paratrooper uh, killed by Hezbollah. So Israel is deep in my you know deep in my veins, deep in my heart. Uh, and I when this I had I've done a lot of episodes over the years on Israel, although never focused on it like I am now. And when this war started. On October 7th, on October 8th, I said one of my frustrations is people over here in the West don't really understand what's going on. And they need basic education, information. Some cases it's remedial. Some cases it's more advanced. Getting into the technical issues like the history of the Gaza Strip, the history of Hamas, the, the rules of international law and international war, like the episode with Matt Waxman that you just cited. Um, what does the Gaza battlefront look like? What awaits Israel when they go into Gaza? And I figured I'm going to try to do an episode as much as I can, daily, three times a week, four times a week, five times a week, talking to Israelis that I know in my network. And so I'm trying to put one out almost every day or every other day just to help inform people. It is so important for people to go and subscribe to Call Me Back if they want to be smart on this. Dan Senor host of Call Me Back, author of The Genius of Israel, which you can pre-order. Keep coming back, Dan. Keep doing your work. It's a, it's a fabulous service. Call Me Back is must-listening to plus podcasting. When the government used emergency edicts during COVID to restrict the gathering and worship of churches, three pastors facing the risk of imprisonment, unlimited fines, and their own churches being ripped apart, took a courageous stand and reopened their doors in the face of a world that chose to comply. The Essential Church is a feature-length documentary that explores the struggle between the church and government throughout history. This fascinating story uncovers those who've sacrificed their lives throughout history for what they truly believe in. 
we discover why the church is essential and how we prove that this stand remains true from a scientific, legal, and most importantly, biblical perspective. This is not your typical movie. It'll change your life. You need to see this movie with your friends and family. The Essential Church is streaming today exclusively at SalemNow.com. That's Essential Church, streaming at SalemNow.com. Welcome back, America, to my new affiliates in the Florida Keys. This is Switzerland when it comes to the Republican presidential primary. I invite all the candidates on, the serious ones. Chris Christie is one of those. The former governor of New Jersey joins me now. Good morning, Governor. Welcome back to the Hugh Hewitt Show. Thanks for having me, Hugh. Uh, Has President Biden or his senior members of the team been clear about Iran's complicity in the massacre 17 days ago? I don't think they have. Um, I think they've danced around it a bit. I don't think there's any reason to dance here. We know that Hamas would not be able to pull these things off without the support uh, of Iran uh, and the complicity of Iran. And I think that's one of the areas where President Biden has fallen down um, during this period of time. Uh, you know, they, I, don't, they, I don't know what it is with, with Biden and Obama um, and their obsession with trying to um, make Iran nice folks. They're not. I, I had Ambassador O'Brien, who you know well, on the program yeah. on Friday, and the former national security advisor said, basically, quote, Iran invaded Israel, close quote. Do you agree? No, I don't agree with it that strongly. I think they are encouraging and funding surrogates, and they need to be held to account for that. Um, and, and we should be holding them to account for that as well. Um, instead, Biden continues to want to play kind of the John Kerry game here. Um, we didn't elect John Kerry in 2004 for attitudes like that. And Joe Biden should learn his lesson watching that. You've also very familiar with the Metternich of MSNBC, Ben Rhodes. Yesterday in the New York Review of Books, he wrote, and I quote, Israel has legitimate security concerns and has the right to go after the military wing of Hamas, a faction that has proven to be the worst version of itself, close quote. What in the world does that mean, Governor Christie? And does that represent the Obama-Biden worldview? You know, I sure as heck hope not. Um, but, you know, and I've never taken Ben Rhodes seriously, um, frankly, Hugh. Um, the, the fact is that Israel has absolutely every right to defend its territorial integrity and the safety of its citizens. Um, and it needs to take whatever actions are necessary to um deter Hamas from any further activity, and also um, to eliminate their capability. So, you know, they're making those decisions. And quite frankly, I think Israel has handled itself um, quite well so far. Um, And you see some of the reaction to that in terms of releasing some of the hostages. They are taking a very calculated approach. And I think what we need to do is to continue to show that there is no daylight between the United States and Israel, that will do more for uh, encouraging peace and security in Israel than anything else. Yeah, Governor Christie had Michael Oren on this morning, who you know well. And Dr. Oren yeah. from his bunker in Tel Aviv said there is a new narrative uh, being pushed by the U.S. on Israel, which is you better choose to be like Mosul in 2017 and not like Fallujah in 2004 because it's just going to be terrible if you're Fallujah. 
He points out they cannot not do a ground invasion of Gaza or they will lose deterrence. Do you agree with Dr. Oren? And do you think he is correct in assessing that Team Biden is putting pressure on Israel to restrain itself from what it must do? Well, listen, I think that Biden, President Biden's remarks about making sure that you don't react while enraged is code for asking them to back off a little bit. And in the end, I think what 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 they have to do is whatever the Israeli defense forces believe is necessary to achieve the two goals I talked about, which is to protect the territorial integrity and safety of their citizens and to um, deter and diminish Hamas's capability for future attack. Those should be the priorities. I, I applaud the president's dispatch of the two carrier groups close to Israel and the Marine Amphib in the, in the Arabian Gulf. But if you were president, Chris Christie, and Hezbollah attacks Israel from the north after they begin in a Gaza operation, what would you direct those carrier groups to do? Look, I would I would direct those carrier groups to coordinate activity with the Israeli Defense Forces, Hugh. Um, and what we want to do is to make sure that we send a clear message to Hezbollah um, by continuing to increase our coordination with the IDF and give the IDF what they need in terms of support to be able to react appropriately and successfully. And that's the most important thing for us to be doing. The more they know that we are inexperienced strictly militarily and diplomatically uh, supportive and connected to Israel, um, the, the more that deterrent effect will, will, will have the desired impact. Now, Governor, I've, I've heard the president say on 60 Minutes to Hezbollah and Iran without mentioning them, don't, don't, don't. And I've heard Lloyd Austin say don't. And I've heard Tony Blinken say don't. No one mentions Iran. Are they being explicit enough to achieve deterrence? No. No, and that's what we talked about off the top. I mean, I think they still have this pipe dream of reaching some type of peaceful coexistence with Iran. What they need to understand is Iran has no interest in that. You, can't, you cannot have a peaceful coexistence with an adversary that has no interest in peaceful coexistence with you and your allies. And Iran is part of this foursome now with China, Russia, and North Korea that wants to just create tumult in the world, induce violence in the world, to try to increase their own influence and decrease the influence of the U.S. and our NATO allies. Now, Governor, you, you talked yesterday about anti-Semitism on American campus. I want to come to that, but I want to set it up by the audience who just tuned in. Four things happened, not only the Rhodes quote yesterday, we got news that Barry Weiss, the great journalist in L.A., her offices were attacked by anti-Semites. We got word that Eli Klein got home last night to his apartment in New York, and I quote his ex-post. Just came home to hundreds of people outside my apartment here in New York City calling for intifada, which given recent events may well be considered a call for the mass murder of Jews. Never did I expect to see this kind of open anti-Semitism so close to home. And then we had Corrine Jean-Pierre get a question about anti-Semitism and answer it by denouncing Islamophobia. What is going on in your assessment, Governor? Look, I think this is very dangerous. It's been going on for a while, Hugh. And the fact is that if you don't speak out clearly and strongly against any anti-Semitism, you are 
absolutely acquiescing to the existence of some of it. And you can't have it because it's a disease like a cancer that will spread and consume uh, public opinion um, in a way that is just absolutely unacceptable, given both our standing as a nation and given uh, the historical events that we all have to be completely cognizant of. Um, look, this, this started, Hugh, again, back in, during Charlottesville, and with Donald Trump's comments about there are good people on both sides. Let me be really clear. There are not good people on both sides. There are not. Uh, folks like Tlaib in Congress, Ilan Omar, are outright anti-Semites. And I don't care whether they have a congressional pin on their lapel or not. An anti-Semite is an anti-Semite. Ben Dominich posted in response to Eli Klein, and you know Ben well, quote, there's only one solution. He was quoting Eli and Ben's response to my Jewish friends, buy guns. What do you make of that? Look, I think that's the atmosphere we're in right now, Hugh. And that's why strong leadership out of the White House is absolutely necessary not just militarily, but morally. I mean, President Biden should be saying this is a moral issue, that this discussion of anti-Semitism is a moral issue for our country. In the very same way Harry Truman recognized the state of Israel within 10 minutes of of their establishment, um, that was a moral statement by Harry Truman on behalf of the United States and we cannot have any less from the White House. And the fact that we have equivocation regarding Iran also plays into this idea that we needed to call journalists in yesterday, the Israelis did, to show them unedited video of what Hamas did, because this anti-Semitic view out there um, is creating doubt in people's minds as to what really happened happened. That's the disease and the cancer I'm talking about, that spread. There is a book. I don't know if you read Eric Larson's In the Garden of the Beast. Did you read that, Governor, when it came out probably I, a decade ago? I did not. I okay, did it's, not. A, it's about American indifference to what the Nazis were doing in the 30s, before the invasion of Poland. We just looked away. Are parts of America looking away from the anti-Semitism in our, right in front of us right now? Worse than that, Hugh. Parts of America are buying into the fact that that Hamas is the oppressed one, that Hamas is the group that is being uh, is being mistreated. Um, the fact is, this was an aggressive maneuver by Hamas against Israel, based in what Iran, Hamas, and Hezbollah continue to say every day, which is they want the elimination of Israel and the extinction of the Jewish people. I mean, so you know, we're we're doing worse than that when we have this you know, activity all across the country, which somehow shows a false moral equivalent. There is no moral equivalent here. That's correct. Now, Governor, uh, Salem is co-hosting and moderating the, the next debate in Miami with NBC News. What do you think? I'm asking all the candidates the same question and many other people besides. What do you think that debate ought to focus on, given the times in which we find ourselves? Well, if it doesn't lead with the crises in the world, Hugh, then it's tone deaf. You know, we can't have another, um, you know, start off with a video of rich men from uh, north of Richmond. Um, we can't have questions about UFOs. 
Uh, we can't have hand-raising questions. These times are too serious to be minimizing the people who are running for president of the United States uh, by doing that kind of stuff. So we better lead with the crises in the world because uh, America's role in the world is open to question. You have people like Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy who want to fill the moat and pull up the drawbridge and not be involved in the world um, in any significant way. Uh, and those, those conversations need to be had and tough questions and follow-ups need to be answered. I suspect there'll be fewer people on the stage, which will permit, I hope, for the rules to, to allow longer answers where people can actually show whether they know what they're talking about or whether they're superficial and trying to be all things to all people. Governor Chris Christie, former governor of New Jersey, former senior advisor to former President Trump, thank you for joining us. Uh, I hope you continue to come back. We'll talk to you soon. Always on point, always ahead of the, the curve. The Hugh Hewitt Show will be right back. Don't go anywhere, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt.